Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Um, so I'm calling this, uh, I'm titling it, Our Uncomplicated Calling. And the subtitle is the, the Simple Gospel of Love. So my objective is for us to understand the gospel that Jesus preached and to help us apply it to our lives in a meaningful way. So um, I wanted to define the gospel real quickly. And so I did, to do that, I went to um, the source of all truth. What is that? The Bible. Google. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I went to Google, right? That brought me to Strong's definition. So uh, gospel, to announce good news, evangelize, to declare, to bring, declare, to show good tidings, and preach the gospel. So it's good news. It's got to be good news. And I think for me, it's got to be simple, right? So um, when you think about gospel, there's uh, a lot of times the, the word you hear that in, in reference to is the gospels of the Bible, right? So what are the gospels of the Bible? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pulling a lot of verses from that. So bear with me as we go through those. But I want to pick out some of the major themes in those Gospels uh, that I think are the Gospel, right, is Jesus' Gospel. So some of the themes, and I'm just going to give them to you ahead of time that you can kind of look for as we go through. Jesus is the Father. That's one of the major themes that you're going to see. You're not supposed to see Jesus and the Father as two separate entities, but you're supposed to see Jesus as the Father, right, as a physical manifestation of a literal God that the Gospels show us the Father in a way that we haven't seen him in the rest of scriptures, and that's why it's important. We're seeing them reflected through Jesus. The other thing you're going to see is fulfillment of scriptures, right? So it's going to be a lot of times things are being called back to in the Old Testament. Things, Jesus is doing things, he says, specifically so that scripture could be fulfilled, right? So a lot of callbacks. Those are things you're going to see. Um, another theme is Jesus clashing with the leaders of the church, right? So he came in into the earth and he saw what the church was doing and he was very clearly up against it, right? So he was not there to destroy it, but he was trying to redirect it. He was, he was sort of um, entangling with them and, and warring with them in a lot of ways. And you see that um, the passages I'm going to show you, uh, you're going to see a lot of you have heard it said, but I say, right? So this is taking, hey, here's the interpretation you guys had in the law, and I'm going to take it a step further, right? So those are, those are the things you're going to see. And then finally, <clears throat> again, this is the simple gospel of love, is you're going to see that Jesus always chooses mercy and love. And, and you're going to see that throughout, and I think it might be easy, easy for us to say, hey, choosing love, choosing the ooey-gooey way, uh, you know, that's the easy way out. It's easy to, it's, it, but oftentimes, that's actually the hard decision. He has to choose, I think, and many times the unpopular decision of the day is to love people that, that weren't being loved. So mercy and love, you're going to see that throughout. So the bottom line up front here is... Our tradition and our societal understanding, things that we have to understand through today, and these years of organized religion tend to overcomplicate and dilute the simple gospel message. And that message is that Jesus is love, and his commandment is that we would be a reflection of his love as he reflected the Father's love. 
So that's the simple message. If you take anything home today, take that home. So uh, the three uh, sections that I, I've titled here, the first is the law and the prophets. All right, so, so Jesus does a really good job of what he calls summarizing the law and the prophets. The next section I'm saying is a higher standard. So that's a lot of the you have heard it said by I say. We're going to a higher standard. And then his new commandment. Hopefully I can get through all of these. Um, uh, I, I might have to skip through a little bit, but those are, those are the sections we're going to. So did you get those verses, Karis? Let's, um, let's start with our first one here. So this is the law and the prophets, right? So um, I'm going to set the stage for this a little bit. This is in Matthew. Um, so this is in Matthew 22. And basically just before this, um, you can go back and read it if you want, but Jesus is debating with the Pharisees. He's debating with the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You know, this is kind of called the, the Sanhedrin. This is the entire Jewish group. And, I mean, to me here, the interpretation is, like, they're ganging up on him. They are, like, working together to, hey, hey, ask him this, hey, ask him this. And just before this passage, they come up with the most convoluted, hypothetical situation you can ever imagine, where it's a woman who is married to a brother, and he had seven brothers, and each one died, and she was passed on to each of these brothers, and they say at the end, well, in heaven, who gets the girl? Like, that's their, that's their question to him. So they, they, everyone comes up with this convoluted hypothetical, like only a lawyer can do, as we find out it's a lawyer. And he says at the end, this is my paraphrase, but what he says to, to retort that is, basically is, you do not understand the scriptures. You are totally missing the point. So in them and coming together with this really great argument or like this is going to trip him up, his whole point right here is like you don't get it. Like you've totally missed it. And so coming in on the tail end of that, um, well, well, first off, if you were ever using like the law, the Bible, the scriptures, and you're using that to test somebody and to trip them up, you might want to question yourself about where your heart is. Like, look at this story and think about, if I'm using it as a weapon, if I'm using scriptures as a weapon to, like, go out and get someone, trip them up, you need to think about, like, where your heart is in that. Like, which side of this, you know, debate would you be if you think about that? So, okay, so Matthew 22, we're going to start in 33 again. I set the stage, like, where this is coming from. So the crowds heard this. They were astonished at his teaching. But when one of the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the first time, again, he is, he is taking all of the law and the prophets. Oh, sorry, I, I missed that last bit. So Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets, right? So this is a huge deal. We're talking to Pharisees and Sadducees, and we are saying the entire law and the prophets depends on those two statements. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> I've, um, I've brought this up before, and I'm, I'm totally stealing it, but I give him credit, is um, Randall Worley, someone we've had here who we really love, he uses these verses as a compass in his life. And he says, as I'm going and I'm 
this is me paraphrasing, but as he's discovering more about the Lord, as he's developing his theology, he says, I use these to determine if I'm on the right path or not. This is the compass. And if it causes me to love God more, love others more, or love myself more, then I'm going in the right direction. Because on this hangs all the law and the prophets, right? So love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. There's three people in there. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. So if your belief system and as you're evolving and as you're growing closer to God, those are the three things you should be loving more, right? I think there's sometimes in Christianity, we feel like the closer we get to God, the further we get from people. And if we love him more and we grow more like him and we develop our relationship with him, it's going to separate us from the world and we're not going to love them better. Actually, the opposite is true. The closer we get to him, the closer we get to people. So let that be kind of a, a test for yourself is how is your relationship with the Lord? How is your relationship with people? How do you see yourself? Are you loving yourself? Right? And if you can't love yourself, you can't love others. So all three of those things are built on each other and help each other, right? So this is the whole law and the prophets. So this, that's why this one is really important. So Mark has another one um, uh, in Mark 12. So uh, it's a very similar accounting uh, in Mark, uh, and it's also in Luke as well. But <clears throat> in Matthew, Jesus sort of silences them with what he says and the, the conversation's over. And Mark, there's like a little sidebar conversation uh, that happens. So let's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go through the, the, the whole thing here. So one of the scribes came up and heard them arguing, recognizing that he answered them well. He asked him, what commandment is foremost of all? Jesus answered, foremost is, hear Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is that you would love your neighbor as yourself, right? So very similar, you know, similar answer here in Mark, but I, does anyone know what he's calling back to? Does anyone happen to know? That's, it's Deuteronomy. So it's Old Testament stuff, right? So that's what I talked about. Jesus is constantly fulfilling scripture. He's pulling stuff out of, De it's Deuteronomy 6, uh, if, if you want to go look that up later, so... And then he says, so this is the sidebar happens. The scribe says to him, well said, teacher, you have truly stated that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently and said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared question him any longer. And so right there he's saying, and this is, this is a scribe, again, coming after this debate. They're going through the law. They're trying to defend the law. They're trying to trip him up. And he's saying that that is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. So again, coming from someone who's, this was their life. This was their career. This was their profession to say this is much greater um, is really telling. And so, yeah, I like this, this part because... Um, Jesus isn't always just like bashing the church. Like he found that one, he found that one scribe. He's like, this guy gets it. And he was, he was really encouraging to that one person. And just to say too, that it wasn't the entire, you know, group of scribes, Pharisees, whatever. There were ones that in there that got it, right? I think we saw that with Nicodemus as well. Like they understood, but they were fighting, you know, this system. So 
That's the whole law and the prophets. So this, this is Jesus. He's already starting to take, and he's taking all the things that happened in the Old Testament. He's summarizing them into those two statements, right? Love your God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. Okay, so now we're going to go to where he starts calling to an even higher standard. Um, so these are out of Matthew. Uh, there's a couple that I picked here. There's, uh, there's many more in this passage, so it's Matthew 5 if you want to go through them. Um, but I think that something I want you to notice here is <clears throat> when Jesus is doing this, this higher standard, he's going past actions. He's going past your outward reflection, what you do every day, what the person that you show to people, and he's starting to address the matters of the heart. So again, as I talk about loving people is not the easier way out, it's actually a much higher calling, right? So he's not just saying, hey, well, we'll get into it here. It's not just don't murder your brother but you actually shouldn't have a harsh word against him, right? That's what he starts to say. So let's do it. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You've heard the ancients were told, you shall not murder, right? And whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. But I say that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be answerable to the supreme court. Whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So again, he's not just saying, hey, don't murder. That's like bare minimum. He's saying, actually, don't speak ill. Don't think yourself more highly than the other. Don't talk down to your brother. So he's calling it higher. Let's go to another one here. Matthew 5, uh, 27 through 30. So again, uh, another higher standard. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this is, this. pause here, this is a really misunderstood concept. If your right eye is causing you to sin, you should condemn the woman wearing yoga pants. Wait, is that, is that what yours says? What does yours say? If your right eye is causing you to sin, tear it out and throw it away from you. Right? For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand is causing you to sin, cut, cut it off and throw it away from you. It is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to go to hell. So again, this is, in talking about adultery too, this is the same thing he does with the adulterous woman. Right? So he just doesn't look at the actions, he's looking at the heart. All of those people were there, they were ready to condemn her and to stone her, and I, I think regardless of what happened, because we don't really know, there's a lot of people you know, talking about that, but he chose mercy and love in that moment. And the other thing that, you know, I made the joke about it here, but like, it's about yourself, it's about your heart. You know, your eye causing you to sin is about you. It's not about what's out there that's making you sin, it's about what's in here, and it's about that, that self-control, and it's about your own heart. So again, he's going to that higher standard. The first law was, don't commit adultery. Actually, don't even commit it in your mind. It's not about the physical act, it's about where your heart is, right? So it's, he's going up to another higher standard. Uh, last one I have here, Matthew 5, uh, starting in 38. You have heard it said, this is, this is one of my favorites, so you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not show opposition against an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, 
turn toward him also. And if anyone wants to sue you, let him take your tunic and take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, you guys know this, right? Go with him too. And who asks of you, do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor, right? So this is calling back to some of those earlier verses. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That feels like something that they must have added on. <laughs> because that love your neighbor, that's in all caps, that's coming from Deuteronomy. But he says, you've heard it said, love your, en- love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So again, he's taking Old Testament concepts and he's taking it a step further. He's not just saying love your neighbor, you need to love your enemy too. And <clears throat> this one is a hard, for, a hard one for us, right? Our enemies. Um, I think today, oftentimes people see enemies as people who disagree with them, people who are on the other side of a political spectrum from them. Uh, there may be people that are actually antagonistic toward you like people who are actually coming after you, you know, have, have the bad intentions for you. But what he says in here is to love your neighbor and love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. So this is a big one. I, I think I see a lot of Christianity moving more towards the, actually, we need to fight the enemy, right? Like, we need to go against our enemy and, like, destroy him. And I think there's a lot of uh, symbolism to that. There's a lot of symbolic enemies that we need to defeat. But I think when we see people, we actually see people we need to love, whether they're our enemies or not. So again, higher standard. The first one was love your neighbor. He's actually saying, nope, love your enemies as well. Yeah. Right? So this, these are, this is the higher standards. So the last section here, and this is, this is the one I really wanted to get to, I've titled <clears throat> The New Commandment. Right? So all of the verses previous... He's kind of summarizing Old Testament. He's going to a higher standard. And then, um, so we're going to start in John chapter 13. Um, I really love John. Uh, if you look at John chapter 13 onward, like through the rest, um, it's basically, it starts when he is uh, having the Last Supper uh, with, his, with his disciples here. So setting the stage, they're having dinner together. They're relaxing around the table. They're having their first, uh, you know, what we call like the first communion together. And if you read it, I I would really encourage you to read, if you read some of John, read 13 through 15. It's like his last moments as he's with his disciples just pouring into them, right? And then it goes into his crucifixion and resurrection. But you can almost feel his desperation in these last moments, these final hours, where he is saying, you need to get this. There is so much stuff in here. I probably can't scratch the surface of it, but it is him desperately trying to get his disciples in those final moments to say, this is what I was here for. This is what I'm trying to convey. So it's, it is a pivotal, important time for him to really get them to, to, to turn. Because if you think about the disciples, they were still asking the silly questions. Who's the greatest among us? You know, how do, where are you going? You, are, you, are you in the Father want, like, asking him questions that he's already told them the answer to so many times, right? So he really gets, um, I think, deliberate with them. He doesn't use a lot of allegory or parables in these final chapters. He is speaking very directly. Um, and in that, right, so he gives us this new commandment. So um, just before this, okay, we're going to start in verse 34. 
just continues to set the stage. Judas had just left. Judas just essentially betrayed him. He went off to go um, report where Jesus was. And then Jesus told his disciples that he's leaving again, and they're doing all this, like, where are you going? Can we go with you? you you'll see some more of that. So verse 34, <clears throat> he says, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, yeah. that you also love one another. So again, another theme there, a higher standard. It's not just love your neighbor. It's not just love your enemy. Actually, you are meant to love one another as I love you. Yeah. So a, a much higher standard even than what he's previously said, because now he's talking to his disciples. He's not even having to use Old, Old Testament and scriptures to back it up. He's speaking very plainly. Here is my new testament, or my new commandment. <clears throat> He says in verse 35, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'm going to stop there again. That is, I think, one of the things that we miss oftentimes as Christians is we think I have to be a certain way, I have to dress a certain way, I have to maybe wear a T-shirt or a haircut or whatever it is. Like There's all of these things that we have decided this is what Christianity is. I have to have my doctrines, I have to have my theologies, I have to have these things. Jesus is telling us right here, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Yeah. And that's what I think is so simple about this, is loving one another is the way that we stick out from the world. We think, you know, sometimes we think, I have to tell somebody what they're doing is wrong. Has anyone been, like, raised with that? Like, I, I was kind of raised in that sort of doctrine, like, you as a Christian need to be the police. You need to be letting people know what they're doing is, is wrong. Jesus is saying it right here. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Simon Peter said to him, <clears throat> Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. There's, a, um, <clears throat> there's an interesting post I saw on social media a while ago. I can't remember if I shared it um, or not, but I really loved what this uh, gentleman had to say. He said, on the night of Jesus' arrest, Peter was willing to kill for Christ, but he was not willing to die for him. There's a type of counterfeit faithfulness that's willing to kill for Christ, but not willing to die, right? And so that's what you see here. He's saying, I'm willing to die for you. He says that in his words, but we see that later on that he's not. But then shortly after this, what is he doing? He's attacking the soldier. He's ready to do, do violence for the Lord, but he's not really ready to lay himself down. So I love that. That's, that's a really, um, I think, just profound point. So that so what's our new commandment? Love one another. Love one another yes, as love, love one another as he loves us. So this is the new commandment. So as you see, he'll he'll continue on in John. When you think new commandment and my commandments, what is the commandment? What is it? Love one another just like he loved us. Jason gets it. Love one another as I have loved you, right? So that's important. Every time you see the new commandment, it's that you love one another as I have loved you. So let's read about it here. <clears throat> Going on. So um, 
now Jesus, so that's, a, okay, that's, that's, that's the commandment, is that we love one another. Now we, he's going to tell us how we keep that commandment. So sometimes, you guys, does anyone find it hard to love one another? Oh, yeah. yeah. So loving one another is not always the easiest thing. So now he says how we're going to keep that commandment. And we're going to go to John 14, verse 12. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I'm going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And here in verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's his commandment? Love one another as he has loved us. So this is a conditional statement. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And my commandments are that you love one another as I have loved you. So if we're having problems loving one another, what do we need to do? Focus on loving the Lord. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. My commandments are that you would love one another. Um, Okay, and real quick, and I have a graphic to show you guys what I'm trying to summarize here that I think will help. Graphics are fun. So, actually, let's just bring up, can you bring up the graphic now, Karis? Maybe. Yes. So the uncomplicated calling, according to Jesus. So in the middle, right, we have the new commandment. What is the new commandment? That you love one another as I have loved you. And then how do we keep his commandments? He tells us just later. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Right? And so then we get into the results. So I'll, I'll read about the results here. That is uh, in John 15. You can just leave this up, though. I think that's good. I'll, I'll just read. So in John 15, verse 3, he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine. So neither can you, unless you remain in me. <clears throat> I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. So that's the first of the results that we're seeing there, is fruit. So the one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, right? So I, I think the fruit is going to be obvious. The fruit is the love. The fruit is answered prayers. We see here going up further. So if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He, he says this continually. He says this in other verses as well, all throughout John. So that's what I'm calling here answered prayer. These are some of the results of living out those new commandments, right? And he says, uh, <clears throat> My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, he says it again, and so prove to be my disciples. Again, this is what we are to be known for. This is simple Christianity, is that we would be known for our love for other people. Yeah. It makes it so simple. And he says, Just as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and remain in his love. So 
Um, just to pause real quick here. So that last statement, um, can you bring up uh, verse 10 on John 15? So it, the, I want to pull this out because it, it looks like, uh, if we read it real quickly, it kind of looks like a conditional love statement rather than unconditional love. So he says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. <clears throat> and just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. So I had a hard time with this, and I'm, tr- I'm going to try to explain it as well as I can to, I think, validate that Jesus has unconditional love for us, which is, if you keep my commandments, and again, we have to see when he says my commandment, we see it's loving others as I have loved you, you will abide in my love. And I, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. The only condition here is what we are doing. Yeah. Right? So if we are keeping his commandments, which is loving one another as he has loved us, that means we are actually abiding in his love. Yeah. It's not a his love comes upon us when we're doing his commandments. It's actually us walking out his commandments is being in his love. And it's like what we talk about. It's turning to his love and it's tapping into that. In the execution of his commandments, we abide in his love. So that's what something I wanted to call out here. That is not a conditional statement. And just as some of the ones that we've read earlier, John 14, uh, 15, a lot of people think that as a, this is what I have to do to be loved. But it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. All it's saying is, when you love me, you keep my commandments. You keeping my commandments is not the thing you have to do to get my love. Right? You keeping my commandments is a reflection of you loving me. So all we have to do is focus on loving him. I'm trying to make it just as simple as possible because it it can get get overcomplicated. So going on a little further in John 15... I'll I'll be wrapping up here shortly. So these things have, uh, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. I think this is the gospel, right? The results, can you bring that up again? Sorry, my graphic. The results of us keeping his commandments is us being the living gospel, right? And that's, that's one of the last results I have there is joy made full. So let me read that again. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full, right? So the definition we had of gospel at the beginning, it is good news. Someone who is full of joy is a walking representation of his gospel. That is one of the results that we see here. And then just again, he says it a second time now in three, you know, three chapters, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. This is just literally a couple chapters later. He said it a second time. And he says, greater love has no one in this than a person would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I heard from my father, I have made known to you. And I, so I have it up in there. It's another one of the results. Knowing the father's plans. Right? That's another one of the results that we see. And then, 
Finally, he says it again, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Third time in three chapters, he reiterates. Again, think about it. Jesus is in his final hours with his disciples. He is trying to drive home to them what they need to be doing. They have years of religion. They have years of societal norms. So do we. But if you read these passages, you'll see that he is really trying to drive home the simple piece of his commandment, which is loving others. And that's really what I'm just, I'm really stuck in that recently. It makes it so simple for us, and it makes it, it it may seem, you guys might think this is like a, yeah, duh, kind of moment. (laughs) But I am constantly coming back to this. I am, as I'm walking every day, I'm going to work. I am thinking about this commandments. Love one another as I have loved you. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not just saying that. I'm literally praying that before I start my work day. Father, how can I love people better today? How can I love my coworkers like you have loved me? I don't have to be preachy to my coworkers to be Jesus to them. I have to love people to be Jesus to them. That is what he's calling us to do. So, yeah, let me just, I have a couple closing thoughts here. So, and I, I, think, I've, I think I've said a lot of them, but I just want to go, go through and summarize, right? So, if the gospel of love is about loving others as he loved, then when we grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord, we should grow deeper in relationship with other people, right? So, these are the natural conclusions as we love the Lord deeper, we keep his commandments. His commandments are that we love one another as he loved us. Deeper love for the Father, deeper relationship with the Father is a result, results in deeper relationships with people, greater love for people. So that's, that's one of the first points. The other um, is that a way to kind of check yourself, right? So if you find loving others to be hard and I think I've shared this before, but it's, it's kind of caught up in that other statement, right? Is that you love the Lord your God and that you love your neighbor as yourself. And that love your neighbor as yourself, if you find it hard to love other people, sometimes you might find it hard to love yourself too. I think some of the times that I've had the most callous judgments in my life are because I've had those same judgments against myself. So when you find yourself stuck with loving people, how are you looking at yourself? Yeah. I think it's, it's turning to love the Father, and when we grow deeper with the Father, he's going to show us how he sees us. Yeah. So as not being able to love people well, if we're struggling with that peace, we need to be able to love ourselves more, and that results from spending more time with him. So that's the other piece. Um, and I'll just... I'll close with this, and I've, I know I've said this before too, but if you're, if you're going to prayer with the Lord and you're asking him, and I, I think you all should do this, I think this should be a we are doing this all the time sort of prayer, is asking the Lord to show us how he sees us. To get a right picture of yourself and how he sees you and how he loves you. And if you are, if you are, if you're standing there, you have your quiet time, you're praying, maybe you're in the car, you're on wherever you're doing, you say, Lord, show me how you see me. 
show me how you see me, how you love me. If what you hear is not love, does not sound like merciful love, like we saw Jesus represent, keep listening. I think you need to keep listening for a different voice. If when you are praying and you ask the Lord to show you how he sees you, and it is not merciful love that you hear echoing in your mind, keep listening. So I think I'm going to close. Any thoughts to add? So I'll just pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to come here today and to share. Father, I just ask that your simple love and your simple gospel would be real to us. Father, that your commandments to love one another would be made real in this family. Father, we pray for our community. We pray for Chambersburg and Franklin County. May they be impacted by the people of this family. Father, may we be a representation of you in the earth. May our love for people be the first word on our lips. May that be the defining feature by which we are known to be your disciples, to be full of love for those around us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Reach out your hands toward Reese. We just want to bless him. Father, thank you for what you're doing in his life. Thank you for the sound of the Father and his love for us through Reese. God, continue to open his heart to receive your vision, your, your thoughts, even the way you originally were thinking about us before we were ever created, would you fill him with that level of revelation? Back before there was one person on the earth that you were planning, dreaming, thinking about what it would be like to have a family on the earth, I ask that you would fill Reese with that same imaginative creativity. Join him to you in your wonder, love, and affection for people. Cause it to be a revelation on the inside of him and cause him to communicate it with increasingly greater effectiveness. We bless him to know you, to expound on the glory of what he sees when he looks at you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, man. Thank you. Really good. Love you guys. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.